You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Cowboys have a bye week. Tim Kalashaw never does. Dallas Morning News columnist and star of Around the Horn, and he joins us on the program. Wow, we got good things to talk about, don't we? Oh my, this is unusual. This is unusual for us. Last time morale was this high in Dallas was? Oh, uh, well, 2016, the 11-game winning streak. Dak and Zeke as rookies. The sky was the limit. Uh, they had found their future. And here we are five years later waiting for this team to capitalize on Dak and Zeke being here. They kind of got sideways for a few years and, and didn't really take advantage of it. But the excitement around that team this year, while Dak and Zeke are obviously still here, that Diggs that you already mentioned, um, you know, CeeDee Lamb, the younger players are what make people think, even Randy Gregory to an extent, make people think, wow, there are some different stars here and maybe this will be different. What are your concerns? <laughs> well, it starts with the head coach. Yes, which it is does. It's kind of unfair, you know, and, and I've been maybe overly harsh on him here. And I, some of the things people got on him for yesterday didn't really bother me. I, it made sense to kick the field goal that he missed, Zerline missed. Uh, you know, he went for it early, fourth and one at their own, what, 35. That's unconventional, but we've been screaming for coaches to pay attention to these analytics and say, if you've got a good offense and they have a great one, you can make a yard. You shouldn't punt the ball away. And they didn't make the yard, and so, so it didn't look good. And it, that, that kind of energized the Patriots. What, they scored three plays after that? Uh, Josh McDaniels called his best three plays he had, and they're running tricks, and next thing they're in the end zone. And, you know, that kind of kept them afloat for the day. But McCarthy is a concern, I think. And, uh, you know, the defense is still, although they're making the interceptions and in some of the plays, and yesterday they're not playing against a great offense. They still give up stuff. I mean, look at the look at the play they gave up to almost lose the game. So you gotta you gotta still be a little leery of that. Yeah, I'm with you with uh, McCarthy. I didn't think they should have gone for it on the fourth down in their own territory. I would have gone for the fourth down when they needed a yard late in the game. He calls a timeout that helped the Patriots. Yeah, that, his misunderstanding of the clock continues to baffle all of us. You call a timeout if you're going to go for it. Yeah, he called a timeout and kicked a field goal. Yeah, so then you're giving the team time. Now the Patriots didn't happen to do anything with it, but the the clock management has been an ongoing thing. The the thing about the fourth and one early that you can say, look, you don't need to take that risk. You're a much better team than New England. Don't yeah. give them the ball at your own thirty-four. Yep. And I just think they're a little cocky and they think well, we're going to drive down here and score a touchdown and, and, and it bit them. Yeah. Um, in that offensive line, they, there were holes that were unbelievable. That's why I thought yeah. you can get a yard against this new England defense that, and, and keep the clock going. It, it just surprised yeah. me. Yeah. Um, they had run Zeke on third and one. And look, it looks like Zeke's going to get it. And somebody comes in and blasts him and he's got the ball in his back arm. Uh, they made little, you know, they outgained the Patriots by more than 230 yards. That was a weird game to watch to say, how do they not have this game put away? And then obviously they almost lost it. Uh, they and the penalties too. Penalties. Uh... Yeah, it, it, it was a sloppy game. They got a bye week coming up. I'm sure the players are thinking about that. 
let's get an easy win over the Patriots and go have a few days off. And so they didn't play their best, but they did, they did CD lamb was there when they needed him. And, uh, and so they're five and one. You start to look at that division and look at it, not long-term, but at least in the next three years, you know, the giants are going to be in a rebuild. They're going to need a new quarterback, uh, maybe a new head coach on GM. Saquon Barkley won't be there. Uh, the Eagles are going to be in a rebuild. We're not sure about the Washington football team on and off the field. I mean, this is a great position, a great window for the next three years, you would think, for the Cowboys. I was thinking about that this morning. Uh, they could be going against three different quarterbacks next year, as early as next year. The Eagles right now, don't they have, they have like three picks in the top ten? Yeah. And so if they're, if they're, if they're not in full belief that Hurts is the answer, they're going to use one of those on a quarterback, you would think. Danny Dimes, I don't know. He looks okay. I don't know if I don't know if I'm ready to pull the plug on him, but that's a mess of a team in New York. And Washington, you're right. They don't have their quarterback. They know that. They knew that when they brought in uh, you know, Fitzmagic. So it's it's they're gonna win the division. Cowboys are gonna win the division by five games or six. And because they got four more games against those teams, yeah. you know, they got a shot at you know, it used to be you play for the top two seeds. Now, now there's only one that gets the bye. And you're playing with Arizona, a team Dallas plays at home January 2nd. And you're competing with the Rams. You're competing with the Bucs, a team the Cowboys lost to. That could still hurt them. But they're, they're in that competition. When did you realize, or when did the Cowboys realize they had something special in Trayvon Diggs? I think they knew last year. I don't think they envisioned anything like this. I think he was just really sound, really solid right away. Like I can start in this league. I can play. What do you need me to do? I'll be your best quarterback, quarterback. And, uh, and man, he just started making plays this year. And I thought it was funny that he got beat for the touchdown. You know, we've written all these things and said these things about Everson walls and his first two years, he had 11 interceptions. That's the most in the last 40 years. And then he had seven in a strike season. There were only, um, whatever there were, 12 games, um, maybe nine games. The very, the, that was a short strike season, 1982. Um, and, but Everson got beat a lot. Everson took a lot of chances. Diggs hasn't been beaten that often, but I thought, okay, this guy really is Everson Waltz. He just ran one back for a touchdown. He just gave <laughs> up a touchdown. This, this, this does remind me of 40 years ago. Yeah, I remember Everson Walls would gamble, and then he would make a gamble big play. A yeah. yeah, and and they don't throw in your direction if you're Darrell Revis. If they right. think you're going to gamble and they can take advantage of that, they'll continue to throw in your direction. There's a reason Walls is the only player who's led the interceptions three times because they kept throwing at <laughs> Oh, morale is high. Look at you. Yes. Yeah. Mavs, Mavs, Hawks Thursday. Yeah. Luca and Trey, here we go. Yeah. MVP favorites. No. Oh, okay. Well, that's what people said. That's what I was told. I was misinformed. How about you? Texas Longhorn? Oh, no. Oh, my alma mater? Oh. <laughs> Rangers free agent? No, no. Uh, no. I don't uh, think so. By the way, I know yes. you do, you're doing a Zoom call, and those listening on radio don't realize that whatever the mm -hmm. picture is behind you gives you devil's horns, 
and you oh. should probably change that picture. Okay, so I go over yeah, this. <laughs> you you look like you have you're the devil. And and I Same know better. Thing. Like the old you was the devil. Before I came on, the gentleman kept going, slide a little more, slide a little more, right there. Right there. So the big and German, my director, did this. He set you up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you have well, horns it's on. Appropriate. That's the way half your audience sees the cow- cowboys in that light. Half <laughs> the fans love them. Half of them think this is hellacious, that the cowboys are good again and, and they're going to be obnoxious again. How's Jerry Jones been? Is Jerry... Even more confident, he, cocky. He he he's been almost a little low key for him. Mm. Well, definitely low key for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, but I think that means he thinks that they're pretty good, and he's not really. He's kind of just got his fingers crossed that th- things have looked like they'd be good in the recent past, and injuries or something have derailed this team. Uh, the catch in Green Bay, whatever. There, there's something that is gotten in his way and and i think he's starting to feel like hey maybe that 25 year nfc championship game drought maybe they could maybe they could end that this year have you been in his suite before i have not i have uh used to go to his office many times at valley ranch but i have not been in that suite i i don't believe i have a standing <laughs> invitation to go in there what if you went in to clean his glasses Yes, if I if I would offer to do that, I asked him about going for a ride on the boat one time. I called it the boat. I think he was offended. I called it the boat, <laughs> given that it looks like uh, you know Logan Roy in Succession, you know, <laughs> something like that. Two hundred two hundred fifty feet long, I think. Um, and he said something about if I want to work on the boat, I might get oh, the opportunity. Yeah, swab well, the deck. Yeah, great to talk to you again, Tim. Are you on around the horn Always. tonight? I'm on today and tomorrow that there's got to be wind number 502 has to be around the corner. 500 gets you into the Hall of Fame, doesn't it? 500 does. And I think I've been in kind of a malaise since then. I haven't really put it together. I lost last week to Mina Kimes in a showdown. I lost to Sarah Spain. I just, I'm not, I'm not closing. I'm not finishing. I'm the Dodgers all of a sudden. I'm doing the wrong things at the end of the game all of a sudden. Is anybody going to catch Woody Page on Around the Horn? Well, he's got over 600. I would have to stay on for seven more years. That's not in my plan, and I'm sure that's not in their plan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Woody is sort of Jerry Rice. You're Larry Fitzgerald. I'll take that. I'll be – I'm friends with Larry. I'll I'll take that. I'll, I'll be the guy who grinds away, the guy who hands the ball to the ref. And as he, after he scores a touchdown, just doing my job. Of course you are. Thank you, Tim. Always great to catch up with you. (laughs) Of course you are. (laughs) (laughs) Change the background there. Change your horns. It's not even hook them horns. It isn't. (laughs) Thank you, Tim. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, nine to noon Eastern or six to nine Pacific on Fox sports radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Mina Kimes, NFL analyst for the Mothership, senior writer, podcast host, TV contributor, all-around good person for Eastern on ESPN. You can watch NFL Live with her, with Dan Orlovsky, Marcus Spears, Laura Rutledge, Ryan Clark, and Keyshawn Johnson. 
And Mina Kimes joins us on the program. Mina, uh, best team in the AFC is who right now? The Buffalo Bills, unless something crazy happens tonight. Uh, I'm riding with Buffalo. And it's complicated. There's so much parity around the NFL right now. But they look like the most complete team. Well, I was wondering about the Ravens, of what they're doing, not having you know any running backs there, what they did against the Chargers. And, and I know we always have this referendum after every game. It feels like we know the team's either good or not. But where do the Ravens sort of fit in all of this? I've got them second, and I'm so glad you asked about the Ravens in particular because I just spent the morning re-watching their defense. That was by far the best game they've put together on that side of the ball. And, you know, they've struggled with some injuries. Obviously, losing Marcus Peters early in the season was brutal. In fact, they're one of the most injured teams in the league in terms of the players on IR. But you finally saw what a complete effort could look like. Really, they won in all three phases. Beginning to Sean Elliott back. The safety was huge. Dan, that might be the worst game I've ever seen Justin Herbert play as a pro, and I've watched all of them. And a lot of it had to do with the game plan put together by Wink Martindale, the Ravens defensive coordinator. I mean, he had no idea where the pressure was coming from on third down. And watching them, like we know what Lamar can do, right? We know he can put the team on his back. But watching them yesterday against L.A., I felt like for the first time, this team can actually win a Super Bowl. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I felt it. I feel it. What's your? Do you disagree? There's so much disbelief in your voice just now. Oh, I don't know. I th- I think sometimes it's uh, you know it's like the declaration last week was Justin Herbert. I'd take Justin Herbert over uh, Patrick Mahomes. I'm like, where did that oh, come uh, from? Like, it, you know, we just yeah. we had these statements sometimes, and I just go, wow, that might come back and haunt you. <laughs> I, you know, I think Lamar, what he's doing in, as far as value goes, is is right up there with with Kyler Murray. He might not have the numbers, uh, you know, the pretty numbers there, but you know, I'm I'm with you on on that team, that coach, and what they did defensively was uh, pretty impressive. But let me go back to Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. Are are you on that hill? Are you going to die on that hill? No. That Justin Herbert. No. Okay. All right. No, I didn't know that. That I mean, I, I, I believe you when you say that the hill people are dying on because we're such prisoners of the moment and coming off of it's just been such a wonky season with the Chiefs. And a lot of that doesn't have to do with Patrick Mahomes. Some of it does. He he made a pretty boneheaded, maybe the most boneheaded mistake he's ever made yesterday. But you got to look at the body of work, right? I mean, part of the reason I'm so confident about Lamar and the Ravens is at this point, the dude's been in the league for a few years, right? We had the MVP season that everyone seems to have collectively forgotten where he was excellent (laughs) throwing the ball. Whereas, again, you're doing Herbert versus Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes, yes, he's had some ups and downs this year. Yes, the defense is terrible. Yes, he's made some weird interceptions and uncharacteristically, um, I guess, pressing-type throws. But you can't compare Herbert to him yet after such small sample size. Five teams are five and one or better in the NFC. So Cards, Cowboys, Ooh. Packers, Bucks, Rams, they went 5-0 and oh in week six. They won their games by an average of 14 points per game. If we were going to rank these teams, because we always love rankings, uh, give me give me one through uh, five with those teams. Oh, Lord. Okay, so yeah, okay. there's five in the NFC? Oh, yeah, because the Rams. Okay, so are we ranking now or come January? January. Oh, God, you got me. Okay, so now everyone's going to be mad at me because I'm not going to have the Cardinals number one. They're obviously number one now. If you get to 6-0, I don't care how you got it. Greg Joseph missed field goals and chaos and 
all of that weird kick sixes, you're six and zero. However, if, I'm going to give you a rankings in January, and you can come check back with me. Okay. I'm going Bucks number one. Right. I'm going Cardinals number two. Mm, Are you Cowboys sure you three. believe that? Do you believe that? Ah, I just don't want people to yell at me. I, 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 okay. So here's, here's the thing about the Cardinals. Let me let me tell you why I have Cardinals skepticism, even though I think Kyler Murray is playing out of it. He's in God mode. Um, I was really hoping yesterday we would get to see this defense tested against a violent running game because I believe that is the primary weakness of this team. Unfortunately, Cleveland rolls in with backup tackles and no Nick Chubb, so that hypothesis is not tested. And really, you can kind of throw out the defensive performance to some degree. What Kyler did in offense still stands. I'm very, very intrigued by Cardinals-Packers in a couple of weeks because I think that's going to be – I know the Cardinals blew the Rams – out of the water. It was kind of a weird game that got away from the Rams early. But Packers, I think, you know, have the sort of running game that can give the Cardinals the business. And I still don't trust Cliff Kingsbury in terms of game management. I mean, it's incredible that they play pretty well without him. <laughs> yeah, but I, I just don't trust him, particularly compared to some of the other coaches at the top of the NFC, non-Mike McCarthy division. Are you all in on the Cowboys? Uh, no, because of the aforementioned Mike McCarthy aspect, I am not. Um, I think the Cowboys have the best offense in the NFL. I think they are a buzzsaw. I think they can beat you a million different ways. You see that, whether it was the run game the previous two weeks. Yesterday it was the pass because New England was so determined to stop the run. But I think this is a yeah, maybe above average defense. Now, that said, I don't think there's we, – we got more parity in the NFL this year than ever before, so there's no – you know, steamroller of a team that makes me question the Cowboys. I just don't think they're perfect. I don't think they're balanced to the degree that people seem to think they are. I know the Rams won a scrimmage yesterday with the Giants, but <laughs> True. Um, I, I'm not sure. Like, what's the identity of this team? Uh, explosive offense with a little bit of inconsistency sprinkled in for Matt Stafford, which you kind of see pop up as a reminder that, oh, yeah, he's still Matt Stafford. And then defensively, um, two of the best players of their generation and some weaknesses elsewhere throughout. Um, actually, not too dissimilar from the Packers to that extent with Jared Alexander out. But you are seeing a few holes in this Rams defense, granted not against the Giants, that the the Cardinals really exposed where you can attack their linebackers and all of the DBs not named Jalen Ramsey. Who will be the all pro quarterback in the NFC this year? Brady, Stafford, Prescott, Murray, Rogers, other. I'm going Dak Prescott there. Uh, It's really, really hard since they're all in the same conference as you just described, but it's funny because Dak's not my MVP. And when I say my MVP, I think of you it the way that you do, Dan, where I'm looking at actual value to the team, which is why I'm rolling with Lamar. But I think Dak is not only playing at an extraordinarily high level, he's part of an offense in terms of the line, the skill players. By the way, Michael Gallup's going to come back at some point, And then a play caller that's going to ensure he has this level of success for the rest of the season. Talking to Mina Kimes, the uh, analyst, senior writer, podcast host, uh, TV contributor for the Mothership. What was your Super Bowl pick, and do you want a do-over? I think I had the Bucks, Chiefs, <laughs> really original, right? Um, and right now, I'll go Bucks, Bills. Okay. Have so, do-over. So that means the Bills will lose tonight. 
if the if the Bills lose tonight, can I, who's producing this? Can you go and delete the sort of <laughs> the archives? And I mean, I'd be really shocked. And and if they do lose tonight, by the way, the AFC is total chaos, right? I mean, I, we're yeah. all kind of coming out of last week saying, okay, this is the Bills. Look, finally, this looks like an actual balanced team. We know what they can do on offense in terms of their firepower, but the defense was untested going into last week. They played a cupcake schedule. Pass rushes look great. We know how good the safeties are in Stavius White. And suddenly, I think that those questions have evaporated. If they lose to the Titans, then I don't know what to believe anymore. My entire belief system will be thrown into question. You tweeted this out last year, Tom Brady, 35th in passer rating when pressured. This year, he's second. How do you explain that? Chaos, Bob. Um, it's complicated because if it was just this year versus last year, I would say it's mostly scheme, comfort within the offense, right? And I think that does explain a lot of it. Uh, but as you guys remember, I'm sure, locally, Tom Brady also struggled against pressure in his final years in New England, too. Yeah. And so a lot of that had to do with the skill players and their inability to separate. I think that's an important part of explaining why. But um, the dude is playing the best football he's played in years at the moment, and it seems like a perfect storm of reasons ranging from scheme to the personnel around him to the man himself. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to understand why he would walk away. And the only thing I could think of was that he comes to the realization about missing out on things at home. That, because other than that, it's not like he's, he was fast enough to slow down. And if he still has a good arm, good protection, he likes the coach, likes the system, likes the weather, uh, got some skill position players. Why would Tom Brady walk away? You know, I always thought Brady would walk away because he was tired of getting hit. That's just seemed maybe that's a very normy way to look at it, where you kind of put yourself into the shoes of a man who's accomplished everything and feats that will probably never be matched, right? But I thought, man, you know, I'm younger than Tom Brady, but even me, if I stub my toe in the corner of the bed, the day is over. I'm watching him get hit in the pocket. I'm like, he don't want to do this anymore. And then the statistic you just read out loud, well, he's throwing pearls while he's getting hit this year. And that is different, Dan, from – the previous two years, and I, I, Seth Wickersham, who I, I'm sure you've had on your show, he's got this new book on the past, right? He, he was telling me the other day that Brady practices taking sacks, which is true sicko behavior, <laughs> explains the greatness. But watching him this year, he he really, even when he's getting hit, there's sort of like an elegance to it, an ability to rip off these throws that, again, makes me agree with you. I, I really don't understand why he'll walk away at this point, given not only the level of football he's playing, but the nature of it. Good luck to your Bills tonight, Mina. Great to talk to you again. Oh, prayers, <laughs> prayers up. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR, or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get to Carson Palmer, wanted to play this for you and Carson. 
Here's Dan Campbell, the Lions head coach, talking about Jared Goff after the loss to the Bengals. I feel like he needs to step up more than he has. And I think he I think he needs to help us, you know, just like everybody else. And uh, I think he, he's got he's going to need to put a little bit of weight on his shoulders here. And it's time to step up, and make some throws and do some things. And uh, but he needs help. He needs help. Let's bring in Carson Palmer. Uh, former NFL quarterback, uh, how would you respond to that if you're Jared Goff when your coach says that after a loss? Well, when when Jared was a young quarterback and, and just kind of getting into the game and figuring things out like I was, you learn at a, a very young age playing this position that when you win, you're the hero. When When you lose, you're the bum. And there's too much put on you when you win and there's too much put on you when you lose. But I, I think the most important thing that he said, it was at the very end when, when he said he needs help because he needs help. I mean, they can't stop anybody on defense. Offensive line's been an issue. They don't really have many playmakers behind him in the running back position or outside of him at the wide receiver spot. So when you lose, things get, get heaped on you. But there's no doubt Jared Goff needs some help. Have you ever been called out by your coach in a press conference? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It happens all the time. I mean, most times when you lose, they say the quarterback needs to play better. And, and obviously, I think Jared, Jared would be the first to tell you he needs to play better. But there's no doubt. I mean, with, with his skill set, he needs help. He needs playmakers around him because he doesn't have very many. Explain to me the Chargers got all this love last week, and then they go to Baltimore, and that was not an inspiring effort. Like, uh, as much as we should compliment the Ravens, Lamar Jackson and their defense – but the Chargers, it felt like, okay, let's see what you got. National stage, and uh, they did not produce. Why? They're not quite there yet. They're, they're not completely ready to be one of the premier teams in the AFC. They've got some really nice nice things about them. they got their, a good young quarterback. they got a Bosa brother down there on the defensive line. Derwin James is an animal and on the back end, a defensive back. You know, at the end of the day, are, are you ready to, you know, all the hype you've been getting as a Charger, are you ready to go into Baltimore in one of the most hostile environments and put out and, and show out and, and prove that you deserve to be talked about as one of the better teams in the AFC? They answered that question for us. They, they went to Baltimore and got blown out. They're not quite there yet, but I'm not giving up on that team. I cannot wait to watch them. How they respond this week is really telling of what kind of team that is, what kind of leadership they have, and who their head coach is. Cardinals go to Cleveland, a banged-up Cleveland team, but they they dominated them. That doesn't feel like everybody's all in on the Cardinals yet. What do you think is the big uh, reason why there's a holdout? Well, it's it's the you know it's the opposite of what we just said about about the Chargers. Can you go into Baltimore and win? Well, can you know can the the Cardinals, a four and team? go out east and, and go into Ohio and beat the Browns. And they beat them decisively. It yeah. wasn't close. I mean, I know that team was beat up, but the Cardinals have heard all that kind of West Coast bias. All, all the real teams are out there on the East Coast. They went into the East Coast, went into Ohio, and got a win that, that you know, they should have won. They, they were playing against uh, a team that was beat up. The Cardinals were extremely healthy. So, I mean, it, you know, it's the same thing we just said about the Chargers. If you're for real, Arizona – Go to Ohio and and leave no doubt on the field who the best team is, and they did that. They are for real. Everybody needs to re- to respect that team. They're five and zero for a reason. You know they haven't started off uh, against some weak teams. They beat some good teams, especially this last week going into to Cleveland against a team you know is going to run the ball, try to run the ball down your throat. They went in there. 
They they looked really good, and they look like the best team in the league right now. It feels like there's uh, the NFC is top heavy. You got five teams that are at least five and one. You got the Cardinals being undefeated. Dallas wins, put up big numbers, but they allowed New England to take them into overtime. What do you take away from Dallas's win? A win is a win, yeah. especially when you go into New England. I mean, yeah, we'd like to walk out with, you know, a two or three score lead, but a win is a win that the best team most of the time at the end of the day, especially when you go to overtime, finds a way to win. And I don't care if it was close. I don't care how many points they scored or how many points their defense gave up. Dallas is for real. They've got a really nice division uh, for them. They're sitting in a, in a, at a good spot in a good division. Um, I, I just think they are for real and they're going to make a run this year. Did you ever find yourself in a competition within a competition against that quarterback on the other team during a game of matching them to do your, your part, you know, the stats? You, you tried not to, um, but especially, I don't know if you're referring to, to Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray playing against each other, former teammates at Oklahoma. Um, but no doubt. I mean, every quarterback wants to go in and throw for a little bit more yards, have a little bit higher completion percentage and, and have a better QB rating. So um, you can try to block that out and you can try to say, you know, it's just about our team playing well and winning. But I think, it, you know, at the at the root of every competitive uh, tussle between two teams, I think down there deep both those quarterbacks want to have a better statistical day without a doubt. But did you find you did that when you faced Roethlisberger or you faced, you know, whoever, Brady, whoever you were facing oh, on a regular base, semi-regular basis? Absolutely. I would go in the locker room, you know, hopefully after a win, and I would get the stat sheet right before I went into my press conference post-game, and I would just double-check and see where numbers were. So I, I think it's pretty normal. I would, I would assume just about every quarterback in the league does that. Yeah. Um, but can you, could, did you ever have a, a great game in a loss? Like, can you, can you separate what you did as opposed to what your team did? No, I mean, at, at the end of the day, quarterbacks are the only position and, and really head coaches are the only guys that are judged on wins and losses, not on how many tackles they had or what their defense finished, you know, categorically at the end of the season. It's about wins and losses. As a quarterback, you're judged. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what matters is the win. And then after you get the win, you can, you know, personally look at your own statistics and make sure that, that you had better numbers than your opponent. But it's about the win, no doubt. What the hell happened to the Miami Dolphins? But they're, who, they're who we thought they were. I mean, a, a lot of people got – you know, jumped on the bandwagon, got excited about that team, got excited about Brian Flores. And, you know, he's the first, you know, Bill Belichick understudy to go on and have success. He hadn't had success yet. I mean, that, that team was really sexy preseason because they had all the draft picks. They had all the cap space. They're still not a very good football team. You, you know, they got a gift win against New England, and now they've lost five in a row. Then you lose to Jacksonville in London, and they don't have their first-round pick. Philadelphia has that. I mean, that's that's a tough situation to be. And then I don't even know if they're all in on Tua uh, because, you they're, know, they're, right? They're not. Yeah, they're simply not. I mean, they thought the Deshaun Watson trade, I think it looks like it and it seems like everything was pointing towards them being able to acquire Deshaun this offseason. Obviously, that didn't happen because of all the, the off-the-field stuff going on in, in Deshaun's life. But, um, 
you know, I, I think they realized pretty early on that, that Tua might not be the right guy. That's why you saw Ryan Fitzpatrick playing early on. Um, and now you're seeing some real struggles. So I, I think that Deshaun Watson trade, uh, they were eyeing that. They were hoping that happened. It didn't. So, I mean, they can have all the first-round picks and, and they can have all the cap room. But if you don't have your, um, your QB of the future, then you're still going to be constantly looking for him and, and wanting him, trying to trade for him, trying to draft him, whatever it may be in, in the future of, of Miami. But I just don't see Tua being the guy there long-term. He's Carson Palmer, former NFL quarterback who joins us every Monday. The difference between college and pros, we hear this a lot. In in college, you throw to the guy who's open. In the pros, you have to throw a guy open. Explain that difference and how long did it take for you to be able to understand that concept? Yeah, in college, I mean, you have the the ability to sit back and wait for a receiver to get open and then throw it. So that the receiver, once he gets the top of his route and breaks in or out, can get his eyes back to the quarterback and see the ball coming at him. That's because in college, most guys in the back end run four, five to four, six, 40 yard dash. And so when you get to the NFL, just about everybody on the back end runs four, three to four, four, which means all of those windows are smaller. The ball can't be in the air for longer for very much longer because defensive backs are closing on it. So you have to know that your receiver is getting up to 10 yards and he's breaking in and you need to throw that ball when he's about seven or eight yards past the line of scrimmage into his route so that when he rounds those last two yards and is coming in, he will not see the ball come off your fingertips. He will turn his head to the quarterback and the ball will be about halfway to him. In the NFL and, and in college, you know, that that small difference in a 40-yard dash time means those windows close extremely fast and guys are only open for really a very short period of time. And in college, you see, you know, you watch Oklahoma play, you see guys running, you know, wide open, butt naked down the middle of the field. You just do not see that at the NFL level. That's the difference between when you have guys that run 4-3 in college and you're playing against guys that run 4-6. Once you get to the NFL, everybody's running 4-3, 4-4. So those windows and those butt-naked receivers aren't running wide open down the middle of the field. That, that's just a, that's a football term, right? Butt-naked? Butt-naked, yeah. Every coach uses it. Oh, they do? You can use it too, Dan. Yeah, oh, cool. okay. All right. So give me another term I haven't heard. Uh, that's clean? No. Uh, <laughs> well, wait, that's a tough one. What do you mean that's clean? That's, you know, family friendly. Yeah, but like... I'm assuming this is Disney-ish. Aren't we on ESPN, no, no, Disney? No, like no, that? we're not. No, we're not. We're not on. We're on, we're on Peacock. Uh, but, yeah, Peacock. There you go. Butt naked open. Um, or or if we're on Pe- Peacock, can I say wide ass open? Yeah, you can. Sure. Why not? Okay. So that, that works too. I think that's a show on Peacock. Wide ass open. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you start to look at Dak Prescott and you come off that injury. And we talked about this before where you can't think about the injury. And it seems like he's pretty comfortable in whatever. I don't like him throwing 50 times. It feels like they're a whole lot better when they run more than they pass. But what did you make of Dak Prescott? I think he's throwing the ball better than I've seen him throw the ball in the first five years of his career. Um, he, he threw on the run working his way up to the line of scrimmage, a high angle corner route that was one of the most beautiful balls I've seen throw this season. You're not seeing any lingering issues in his, or his confidence, any lingering issues confidence wise and stepping up in the pocket, moving around. 
I've seen him break numerous tackles. He's not, you know, gingerly moving around. Um, you know, he, he's not overly concerned. You can tell, you know, as, you know, year one post-surgery, there's always going to be naturally some some things holding you back. But as far as when he hits the grass and, and it's Sunday, he looks really confident in, in the stability of his leg. He looks really confident in the guys around him. He's playing with a smile on his face. I mean, there, there's no more pressure than a quarterback's playing under than than Dak Prescott in Dallas for the Cowboys. So, I mean, he just looks he just looks back. He looks healthy. It's really fun to watch. Did people taunt like uh, this, this whole taunting rule and and how players respond? Did did players did you ever taunt when you were in the NFL? Not really. I mean, it, it was talking trash. You know that that the fun part of talking trash. Um, is they're trying to kind of wipe that off the game. Um, you know, you think back to like one of my favorite players to watch ever was Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers would only be moving backwards if he were playing in today's game. I mean, he talked more than anybody, and and I guess you can call it taunted, but it was just talking trash, and, and it was part of the game. It was fun. Uh, back in my day, I mean, Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco sent a box of Pepto-Bismol to Cleveland before we were playing Cleveland. He sent us the deep. Is that taunting? Can you get, can you get a 15 yard penalty on Thursday? If you send Pepto-Bismol to the, to the Cleveland Browns, what are, it's just Phillip, getting out of control. What's Philip Rivers saying on the field? It's all clean. I've of never course. heard him curse. I, I've yet to hear him curse, but he's just having fun. I mean, that, that's the game. You're allowed to talk. You, you used to be allowed to talk. You, you know, there was always, um, some razzing going back and forth. And now it looks like, and feels like they're trying to get rid of it. Um, but I don't, I don't think, I think, I think Philip would have a number of fines going into week seven. Uh, is it six now? Week seven, seven, but yeah. so he would just say, you know, you can't stop us or, you know, you can't, you know, gosh, dang it. You can't sack me or. Yeah. Or don't try to bring that will free safety blitz on me. And he throws it the other way for a touchdown. I mean, he was always constantly talking and, and that's what got him going. And it pissed off guys on the other side of the ball, but that's just, that's the way that I grew up playing football in the game. I, I knew today's game. They're just trying to get rid of it and it is what it is. Okay. But when a guy sacks you and he stands over you and then walks over you like that always bothered me that's where i want to like reach my hand up and you know hit you in the groin if you step over me did you ever- yeah that that's that's really disrespectful at the end of the day you're getting into being a respectful player by you know i, I don't think there's anything disrespectful about talking trash but when you stand over a player or spike the ball in their fla- face or do the Allen Iverson Ty- Tyron Lou where he walked over him after he hit that three pointer like that is that's starting to cross the line of being disrespectful. I think that's what they're trying to get out of the way and get out of the game. Unfortunately, when the league decides to get rid of something, they decide to get rid of it entirely. So you're not allowed to talk to any other, you know, any other player in the field that's not one of your team members. Uh, they're just trying to wipe it out of the game, unfortunately. Great to talk to you as always, Carson. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dan.